Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Amen. All right. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me. Ephesians chapter 6. We've been going through this series, Stand Firm series that we've been doing. We may wrap it up today. We may do one more next week. I don't know. Actually, I won't be doing it next week. Pastor Andre will be here. Andre Van Zell. I want to encourage you. Now listen to me. All we can do as pastors is try to set a table from which people can eat. Amen? And what we try to do is we try to set a table so that people can come into this house different times, preach the word, speak the word, minister to lives, minister to hearts. And sometimes we set the table and sometimes we do that. And quite frankly, sometimes people don't show up to dinner. How many, how many of you mothers and wives like to cook a dinner that nobody shows up for? Right? I have been on the other end of that. All right? And so what I'm going to say, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to set some time out of your schedule for next Sunday and Sunday night, Monday and Tuesday, to come out, we worship God, we minister to God, and God will minister to you. How many of you would like God to minister to you? Amen? You know, it works both ways. Amen? So, so listen, make that part of your schedule next week, and um, we'll have a great time, I promise you. Ephesians chapter 6, stand firm. We have been talking for weeks about this, that Paul said, that you and I are to stand firm against the enemy, right? Remember, it says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rollers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. Why? So that you can resist in the evil day. And when you've done everything to stand, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and then you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you take up the shield of faith with which you're able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, and then this verse and you take up the helmet of salvation, which we talked about last week, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, we started this year off with a series called It Is Written. How many of you know how important the Word of God is in your life? I mean, do you really know how important the Word of God is in your life? And, and so the, Paul is writing. He's talking about this struggle, this wrestling match that you and I are in, this wrestling match that we're in with the devil and his forces, of darkness, who are trying to throw us down, we talked about, grab us by the neck, hold us there, and render us defeated. And yet God says, but I got something for you. I got armor for you. I have something that you can stand against him in the day of evil. You, I have this armor for you. And this armor is what? Is, is truth, is righteousness, is peace, is faith, it is um, the helmet of salvation, and now he's talking about what? He's talking about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So Paul's saying, listen, he says, the Word of God is a sword against the schemes of the devil. You know, when you look at the Scripture, there's one thing that the devil always bowed to, the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God he respects and bows to. You know, sometimes we try to fight him with rationale. Sometimes we try to fight him with reasoning. How many know you can't out-reason a liar? 
The hamid of the word is truth that always offsets the lie of the enemy. Uh, and so this sword, which Paul's depicting a large knife with two sides, all right? And, and the word, it's the rhema word of God. The, the living voice, the spoken word. This, the, it means the sound produced by the voice and having definite meaning. It means a speech or a discourse or what someone has said. All right, and so Paul's saying, listen, the word, the speaking, the utterances, the message, the discourse of God is the sword of the spirit, all right? Now, here's what he says. I would ask you a question. But whose sword is it? Who, whose sword is it? Well, I want us to understand something very clearly at the beginning of this. The Bible says it's the sword of the spirit. It's the sword of the spirit. Okay, when you look at the word of, a definition of the word of, it indicates an association between two parties, all right? Typically, it means something of belonging, all right? In other words, Tony is this daughter of Pastor Jim. So now, whose daughter is Tony? Pastor Jim's. What dictates that? The word of, all right? Now, when I look at what the Scripture's telling me, it's telling me that the word of God is the sword. The sword belongs to the Spirit of God, okay? It, it expresses relationship between the author and the composer, the artist and the composer. It, it, it's so, so when we look at this, let us understand that the sword is that which belongs to the Spirit. You say, well, why is that important? You'll know a little bit later on. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. First of all, a scripture found in 2 Peter chapter 1 says this, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Listen to me. When you read the Bible, let me tell you a wrong way to read it. You don't read it and say, well, this means this to me, and that means that to you, and it means that to you, and it means that to you. Oh, no, 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 no. That is not, we're, we're not reading poetry here. We're not reading some fictional thing. We're reading the Word of God that has a definitive purpose. And how many know it can be interpreted correctly? It's interpreted as truth. It is not to be relative to everybody in the sense of your own meaning, all right? It, so, so it's a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So why did Isaiah speak? He spoke because he heard. Why did Ezekiel speak? He spoke because he heard. Why did Jeremiah speak? He spoke because he heard. Who was doing the speaking? The Holy Spirit was speaking into the lives of these prophets through, uh, God was speaking to them through the Holy Spirit. So let us understand all scripture is Holy Spirit breathed and God breathed. All right, another, another scripture. Paul said this to his young protege, Timothy. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. Come on. So here's what happens. How many know this morning that, that getting saved is the starting point? How many know the Bible promises us transformation? That we can be transformed into the image of Christ. From glory to glory, we're transformed. How does that happen? How many know we need a renewing of our mind? That our mind, we gotta, how many know we gotta think differently than we've always thought? But how do I think differently than I always thought? The Word of God renews my thinking. It renews my mind. And it, okay, now it corrects me when I'm wrong. It reproves me. It trains me in righteousness. Listen, you'll never become all that God has for you without the Word of God. 
It's impossible. A wordless Christian will always be an incomplete, immature Christian. Okay? Why? Because we're not being trained. Right? So let's, let's talk about this. Stuff. No. So, all, so, so listen to me. So all Scripture is God-breathed. Therefore, all Scripture is Holy Spirit spoken. Sometimes I hear people talk about this. Well, there's the written Word of God, and there's the spoken Word of God. I understand what you mean. There's the Bible, and there's the audible voice of spoken Word of God. How many know it's all the spoken Word of God? It's all the spoken Word of God. You say, well, how can that be? Because listen to me. The Holy Spirit spoke it to the writers of Scripture. The Holy Spirit spoke it to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. The Holy Spirit spoke it to Paul and to James and to John. and to Peter. The Holy Spirit was speaking. So therefore, all of God's word is a spoken word. All right? It's all spoken. We now are the recipients of the written word in our lives that was spoken to the writers of Scripture. But without him speaking, there was no written word. Okay, so let's talk about this for a few moments today. How do we stand firm in the Word of God? How do we stand firm with the sword of the Spirit? Well, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to take us on a little journey. I figured if Paul wrote this, Paul might have a little experience with this. How many think that might be true? All right, and so what I thought I would do is I would use Paul as an illustration of how the sword of the Spirit works in our life, how the Word works in our life, and then what happens as a result of that. And so let me remind you, the Apostle Paul was once a man named Saul who was a Pharisee. This Pharisee was brought up in the ways of Judaism. These, this Pharisee was understood the scriptures. This Pharisee had the sacred writings. He knew the sacred writings. He was, he was a Pharisee. He was a Benjamite. He was a Hebrew. He had all the Old Testament learning. He studied under the scholar Gamaliel. All right, so he had all this knowledge of God's, if you would say, the Old Testament of all the old writings. And yet, when the church was birthed in the book of Acts, he persecuted it. He persecuted the church. He was killing Christians, he was imprisoning them. Listen to what he said. He said this. He said, you heard about my former manner of life, how I used to persecute the church beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen because I was more zealous for my ancestral traditions. And later on in Philippians, he said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the nation of Israel. I was the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As for the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, which was in the law, I was found blameless. So here was a man who was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ because he was trained in the things of God. He had the Old Testament writings. He had the sacred writings. He was, formed, he was, he was shaped in Judaism. Let me say about Paul. Paul was interesting. Paul... I got ahead of myself. We stand firm. Listen to me. I'm going to bring this back here. We stand firm today because he pierced, the Spirit pierced our lives with the Word. I'm going to bring that back to that in just a moment. Listen to me. So Paul was a man who knew the Word of God but didn't know Christ. He knew the Word of God up to that point. He had it all. He knew it. He knew Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. He knew the prophets. He knew all the prophets. He knew what the sacred writing was. He knew the Torah. He knew the Pentateuch. He knew all of it. And yet, there was something he did not know, which was Christ. 
How many know there's a difference in knowing the word and knowing the word who is Christ? Right? Paul knew, Paul knew that, but he did not. We can, listen to me. You and I, we can know the word of God and not know the one who is the word. I, I, got, I, got, I got people I can take you to, that I can introduce you to, that I can put you in a conversation that will absolutely explain scripture to you inside and out but does not know Jesus, that does not know Jesus. How many know you can know the scripture and not know Jesus? How many know you can know the word and not know the word? You see, he knew the word, but he did not know the spirit. He knew the word and yet persecuted the church. He knew what then was the word, but yet was killing people and imprisoning them. But one day he had a change of ideology. One day he had a change of thinking. One day he had a change of acting. One day he had a change of thought. What happened? On that day, he's on the road to Damascus to persecute the church some more. Jesus appears and begins to speak the word to him. And how many know it was the word that pierced his heart? Do you remember the day the word pierced your heart? No, boy. Maybe it'll be today. And if you don't wake up, I'm going to pierce it myself. That the word of God, it, it pierces the heart. Listen to me for just a moment. Do you understand what the scripture says? The scripture says this. Let me take your scripture. Well, let me go back here. It, it, first of all, if you don't know the word, if you know the word but don't know Christ, you don't know the word. Because how many know the word always points to Christ to bring you to a knowledge of Christ? If you think you know the word, but you don't know Jesus, you don't know the word. Now look at this. So here's a scripture out of Hebrews. Hebrews says this. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit. Of both joints and marrow. And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see... Here's what happened to Paul. Paul thought he was right. Paul was serving God in his mind. Paul was being zealous for God. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, who has, looks at him and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? I'm Jesus. And there was a revelation, there was a word that pierced his heart. Right? He, he, it, it pierced him. You know what the Holy Spirit does? The scripture tells me, the scripture tells me that this, the Holy Spirit uses the word to separate the flesh and the spirit of a man. How many know you're fleshly? How many know you have a soulish nature? Anybody here got a soulish nature? I promise you, you do. If I come out there and punch some of you right now, you'd have a soulish response. Okay? You'd have a fleshly response. Right? Okay? So think about this. This soulish nature, the soul part of us that lives in this world, this fleshly nature, this fleshly nature that wants to be governed by our feelings, that wants to be governed by our emotions and rationalization. This, this, it's this essence of who humanity is. It's who we are, all right? Paul was operating from this. Feelings, passions, desires, appetites, intellectual knowledge, right? But it's the word of God that scripture says comes in like a two-edged sword and divides this flesh and divides the flesh from the spirit, right? Think about it. I, 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 I. It's, the, it's the liposuction of our life. 
It just sucks the fat away and leaves the mat, meat. <laughs> I like to try that. Tell me, think about it. Because what, listen, how, many of, how, many, how many of you, like, I know some of you don't, but you'll be all right. Don't be offended, you vegans, vegans. How many of you like a nice steak? Come on. Okay. How many of you like the fat on the steak? <laughs> like it gets nice and crispy? Huh? You hungry yet? How many of you cut the fat off? Yeah. Ah. Oh, there's hope for you yet. But what are you doing? In your mind, you're taking a knife and you're trimming away what you think isn't of value and separating it from that which you, has value. You see, this is what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. That the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, uses the Word of God to come into our life to take this which we do not need, which is not for us, and separates that fleshly from that which is spirit, which is meat, if you will. Okay? But you will never be able to accurately assess what is meat and what is fat without the Spirit of God and the Word of God. How many know our fleshly nature will not kill the flesh? It doesn't want to, right? Now think about this for just a moment. So here was Paul. Paul was killing Christians. Paul was persecuting the church. All of a sudden now he has this moment and the Holy Spirit is now separating the flesh. Now hear me tell you what happened. There's a few things that happened. First of all, it was this. The word pierced Paul's traditions. He had years and years and years of traditions that at one time were of God, but at the present moment were not of God. Have you ever had a moment where the word pierced your tradition? How many know some traditions are not godly? Some traditions sound godly, but aren't necessarily godly. How many know there are traditions which churches have held onto for years that really aren't even biblical? I won't get into those today because, you know, I'm trying to be nice. But sometimes we've got to be honest in the church and say, is this the word of God or is this our tradition? Paul, by the spirit of God, had to be separated from his tradition to what was God. Paul, okay, it, it, the word pierced Paul's thinking. Have you ever had God arrest your thinking? Has the word of God ever arrested your thinking? If it hasn't, why? Because I can promise you, you're not right all the time. Right? That, that, how many of you thought you were right only to have the word of God prove you to be wrong? How many of you know there seems to be a way that's right? Right? Think about this this morning. If the Holy Spirit isn't confronting and piercing our thinking, how are we ever going to think spiritually? Some of, let, me, let me very be very bold today. Some of you have made and are making or are going to continue to make decisions based upon your thinking that's not the Word of God and it's in opposition to the Word of God and it's going to bring a bunch of garbage and a bunch of junk and a bunch of heartache to your life. I, you say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? <laughs> Been there, done that. Bought the T-shirt. Right? You see, we have to have our thinking pierced by the Word of God. All right? The Word of God... It pierced his feelings. Listen to me. Stop being governed by your emotions and your feelings. How many decisions have you made in life that came from a moment of emotional feeling? 
Take 30 seconds before you post that post. All right, take 10 minutes. Okay, some of you take 24 hours. Come on, how many know we need to allow the Spirit of God to intercept our emotional responses sometimes? We need the Spirit of God to intercept our feelings sometimes. Our feelings are fickle. How many know they will betray us? Right? The moment that you operate from that soulish feeling, emotional state, you are going to be subject to the traps and the ploys of the enemy. But the Word of God is the very thing. Listen to me. There's lots of times, even as a pastor, that I have wanted to have an emotional response to something. And yet I've had to say, no, no, no. What does the Word say? What principle are we going to operate from the Word of God so that I don't have this emotional response? I wish I could say I get it right every time. Amen? I don't. Well, listen to me. Some of you have been governed by your feelings for way too long. You've allowed the feelings and the emotions of your life to govern your life. And that's not how God means it to be because it's the Word of God that will come in and will separate the feelings from the spirit. He wants you to operate from a spirit realm, not a soulish realm. We'll get back to that in a moment. <laughs> All right? Paul, the word pierced his intentions, judged his thoughts. The Bible says it judges our intentions. You know what the great thing about the word is? The word is the perfect judge of our intentions. It will judge it absolutely accurate. It will absolutely be accurate in its judgment. Our emotions aren't. Our feelings aren't. Other people aren't. You want to get good advice? Get, get advice from people who are in the Word, not just people who are in the same boat as you. Because people in the same boat with you sometimes will operate with the same feelings with you and commiserate in your misery rather than bringing the Word of God to the truth of the situation. All right? Okay. Let me hurry on. Kind of. See, here's what happens. We naturally live from a soulish and fleshly nature. But the Holy Spirit uses the word to get us to live from a spirit realm. All right? When you are born anew from above, the Holy Spirit resides in your life. And the Holy Spirit residing in your life now is the goal. And that is to get you to stop living and being governed by your soulish nature, but rather to be governed by the spirit within you. Right? And so that's the, that's the object of this. Now, let's look at this. So back to Paul for just a moment. Okay? So, so we stand firm, just like Paul did, because what happens? All right? Now, Paul was pierced with the word of God. This rhema word of God pierced his life. Right? And so what happens is now, it is the word of God that brought him to faith in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. It is the word of God that you hear that brings you to faith in Jesus Christ, right? Romans 10 tells us what? Faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. How did I come to Christ? Because I heard the word of God. Now the word of God can come by a variety of things. It can come from preaching. How many know we preach the word of God? We, we, we don't need more self-help preaching in churches. We just need the word of God preached in churches. I'm just telling you. That's not a slam against churches. I'm just telling you. What we need is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God that changes lives, the word of God that goes in and separates flesh from joint, joint from marrow, and flesh from soul, soul from spirit, right? That's what we need. 
Because what happens is, it is faith that comes into my life that causes me to then receive the word of Christ, that now I receive him. There is no salvation in any other name than who? Jesus, right? So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because this is pretty elementary to most of us. But we stand firm because the word brings us to faith. It is the only word of Christ that we come to salvation. Now, but what happens at salvation? The Bible tells me that at salvation, I am sealed with the Holy Spirit who takes residence inside of me, right? So what happens is we stand firm because now the word of God lives in us. Hmm. See, we mean the word of God lives in us. Okay, let me show you. So Paul, he's on the road to Damascus. Jesus appears to him, pierces his heart, changes his thoughts, changes his intentions, sends him to straight street. And now he sends a man named Ananias to pray for him. And this is what happens when Ananias gets there. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Here's the point. If you're saved... If you are saved, the Spirit of God lives in you. Therefore, the Word of God lives in you. Come on. The Bible says the Word is living. The Bible says it's alive. It's active. It divides. But how does that happen? I mean, if the, word, if you are, if the Holy Spirit is in you, the Word of God is in you, Right? Because the Holy Spirit's always speaking and is willing to always be speaking and he will never speak anything but the word of God. If what you're hearing from God is not lined up with God, it is not God. I've had people tell me that God told them and what God told them was actually sin. It wasn't God. It's not God. God will, will never lead you to sin. He will never lead you into a lack of faith. He will never lead you to sin. That's just all there is to it, right? If the word of God lives in you, the sword of the spirit is within you, right? The Holy Spirit will never speak anything but the word of God, ever, ever. Now, so watch this. Paul Man without Christ, without the Spirit, on his road to Damascus to kill more Christians, has an encounter with Jesus. His heart is pierced by the word. His heart is pierced. It judged his thoughts and his intentions, and it changed the direction of his life. And then he's prayed for, and the Holy Spirit comes in him. And now the word of God is in him, living and active. Right? And now he, like we, stand firm because through the Spirit, we now swing the sword of the Spirit. How many know it's a weapon? It is both a defense and an offensive weapon against the enemy. It's not just an offensive and it's just not a defensive, but it is a weapon against the enemy. Think about this for just a moment. Paul, have you read the book of Acts? Have you read his writings? Here's the guy that all of a sudden begins to wield this word of God, right? You see, Paul was pierced with the sword of the word. 
Paul was filled with the sword. And, and Paul then began to swing that sword in and through his life. You see, Paul could wield the sword because he yielded to the sword. All right? Now think about this. You know, for you and I in our lives, before we can wield the sword of the Spirit, we must yield to the sword of the Spirit. The fact of the matter is, listen to me this morning, the fact of the matter is some of us are not operating from a position of power because we've never first operated in a position of humility. It is humility that bows to the Word of God. It is humility and contriteness that bows to the Word of God. That the Word of God says this. That the Word of God says stop this. The Word of God says change this. The Word of God says leave this, flee this, run from this. And we wonder why we don't have any power when I won't yield to what his word says. Imagine Paul saying, yeah, yeah, no problem, I got my own life. I cannot powerfully swing the sword until I've humbly yielded to the sword. Now listen to me, pastor's gonna meddle a little bit. Some of the stuff that we are doing, when I say we, are contrary to the word of God. And we have not bowed and humbled ourselves to the word of God. Therefore, we have no power with the word of God. Saying, well, what are you you talking about? No, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is some of the stuff that you're doing right now lining up with what the word of God teaches? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. Boy, it's quiet in here now. I'm just asking you. When Paul got saved, there was a radical change of his life according to the word of God. We need to get saved, but it's not just to go to heaven. It is to have a radical change in our life by the spirit of God dividing soul and spirit. That, oh, I do this because I feel like it. I do this because, I, well, I don't want to be lonely, so I'm doing, stop it. You won't be lonely on your way to hell. (laughs) You want power, and you pick up the sword to swing it when you need something, but you don't bow to it when you don't need something. Uh oh. Pastor's really meddling today. Lord, I want you to bless my finances. I'm, I'll speak the word of God. I'm, he's going to meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Did you give? No. Hello. Hello. Sorry. I'm just telling you. you quit trying to wield a sword that you haven't yielded to. And that's not just giving. It's in all aspects of our life. We pull it out. Oh, I need this today. I'm going to pull it out. <laughs> You haven't looked, yeah, you haven't yielded to it in a year, but all of a sudden I need it. Power with the word comes from humility with the word. Power with the word comes from humbling ourselves before it. Power with the word means allowing the word to do its work in our life. That the Holy Spirit swings that sword in our life. But the great thing about him is he is a precision surgeon. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't miss where he's aiming. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't leave utensils in you, <laughs> right? You see, 
Because what happens is now the, the spirit of God is in me, which is the word of God is in me, and the sword of the spirit is in me, and I can now powerfully swing the sword because I've yielded to it. Because, listen to me, when we use the word of God, we swing hand in hand with the spirit. Okay, listen to me. Think about this. How many of you ever have a little kid that you taught how to hit a baseball or a golf ball? See, some of you need to get, like, do something with your kids. And how many of you, they're swinging and they're doing they're swinging and they're missing and they're missing and they're missing and they're missing. And finally, you're like, let me help you. Here, here's, here's how you do it. You take the, you take the golf. Let's, let's talk about golf. It's godly. All right? And, and, I, and, I t- and I go up behind Liam and I go up behind Owen or Carson. I said, let me show you. And we swing together. Hand in hand, one fluid motion. Let me show you. Let me train you. Let me show you how to do this. Do you understand when you are swinging the sword of the Spirit, you are swinging with the Spirit? You, you never operate independent of the Spirit with the Word of God. It is so cold that it's his sword that he and I are swinging together. How many times we see the Holy Spirit speaking to Paul or Peter or whoever it might have been in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit spoke and men and God, women spoke and men and women moved. Why? Because they were operating in concert with the one who was already swinging the sword. All we're doing when we swing the sword is we're joining him in what he's doing. You get it? You get it? Do I need to keep doing this? I'm exercising. I'm trying to work on my abs. All right? Okay? I got to need a lot more golf. All right? Listen to me. You, you don't swing it independently of him. You swing it in unison with him, in concert with him. We don't, we don't use it independently of the Spirit. Listen to me. All the Bible was God-breathed. Holy Spirit breathed, spoken to, and written. Spoken to, and then written. Even today, when he speaks and you move, you are operating in concert with the Holy Spirit. When the sword of the Spirit, what do we do with it? First of all, we parry the blows of the enemy. How many know that if you're in a sword fight, I've never been in one, right? In a sword fight, what do you do? How many times do you block the sword, the blow of your opponent? They call that a parry, right? And you're parrying. And the enemy, the Bible says he's at us with schemes. And he's bringing blows at us. We got the shield of faith. We're putting out these arrows. But now with this sword, I am, I am parrying the blows of the enemy that I can deflect them. I'm, I'm kind of like, like Luke Skywalker with that, with that thing. Come on. I'm having fun, but do you understand what I'm saying this morning? The enemy has come at you and come at you and come at you. And yet you have no word in you. You're not swinging with the sword of spirit. So you have no way to deflect it. You can't deflect the enemy with your feelings. You cannot deflect him with your emotions. You cannot deflect his blows with your thinking. You do it with the word of God. The word of God says this. You say what you want, devil, but I got the word of God. Right? Think about this for a moment. You, 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 how did Jesus? Jesus parried every blow of the devil with three words. It is written. It is written. But the problem is we can't say it is written because some of us don't know what is written. But boy, when you have it and you know it's written and he's saying to you that you're this, you say, no, no, let me tell you something, Jack. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and I am in Christ Jesus. And so therefore, I will not be condemned. I will not be put under. I will not be in despair. I am forgiven. Do you understand? You've got to fight him with the word of God. 
You parry that. But then, what? With the sword of the Spirit, we pierce the darkness of the enemy. You see, there's times in our life where we're deflecting his blows. Can I tell you something, church? We ain't been called to be on the defense of our whole life. How many know we weren't called to play defense? We're on offense, baby. People of God were in bondage in Egypt. Then they were set free and they were in the wilderness. While they were in the wilderness, they were always on the defense. Every battle, they were on the defense. Why? Because that land was not theirs to possess. The land they were to possess was the promised land. But then the day came where they crossed over into the promises of God, and now God said, now it's time to go on the offensive. Now it's time to take what belongs to you. Now it's time to move. Listen to me, church. You had not been called to play defense your whole life against the enemy. There are times that you have to defend yourself, and you resist him. But there's times where you take the sword of the Spirit, and you take a blow, and you pierce the darkness with it. You pierce it. Look at Paul and his life. You see, because you gotta understand something. It was the Spirit of God. The Spirit pierced the darkness of our lives so we can now pierce the darkness around us. That one day, his word came in, pierced that darkness we live in. And now, I live in light, but I got a sword and a weapon by which I pierce the darkness. It was with the word that Paul parried every attack of the enemy. Read the book of Acts and read Paul's story. Attack after attack. It was with the word that Paul persuaded men. He didn't try to, remember, he didn't try to persuade them as wise and persuasive words. I got the word of God, I got the power of God, I got the demonstration of God. You don't have to convince somebody into the kingdom. You don't have to convince somebody. Give them the word, let the word do its work. It was with the word that Paul set the captive free. Oh, come on. Church, do you know what he did with the word? He, he's got this little slave girl following him for three days. She's demon-possessed. She's being extorted by her owners. She's, she's controlled on a daily basis, manipulated. And all of a sudden, this man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the word of God, he said, i got enough of this garbage. In the name of Jesus Christ, get out of her. Set her free. Do you understand this morning the word still sets people free? It still lights up the darkness. It still sets the captive free. It still liberates. It still delivers. That weapon in your disposal is not just for you to play defense. It is for us to use. You see, the schemes of the devil, Paul says, stand firm with the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, the schemes of the devil bow to the sword of the Spirit. How do I know? Jesus, Paul, Scripture, our own lives. There's some things in our lives he's not bowing to. He's not bowing to our feelings. He's trying to get you to be an emotional mess. 
He wants you on an emotional roller coaster. He wants you up to that. He wants to talk you into leaving your wife or your husband or your son or your daughter. He's trying. Who do you think's orchestrating this? It's not God. It's not God. The Spirit of God says, stop. It's a scheme of the devil. But the word of God, I stand firm against this scheme. And I remind you, we stand firm in the word because we bow to the word. I cannot stand without bowing. I cannot stand without humbling myself and yielding to the word of God. Even now, I'm telling you by the spirit of God, there are people in this house through the rationalization of your mind trying to argue with me. Because for your, most of your life, you have operated from a soulish nature. And you think you've been successful operating from that soulish, fleshly nature. But the fact of the matter is you may have been. But the fact of the matter is you're far short of what you could have been if you'd have bowed to what the word of God says. You say, how do I bow to the sword of the spirit? How do I bow to the word of God? It's simple. You ready? I mean, it's not simple to do. <laughs> it's simple to understand. You say, how do I bow to the word of God? Ready? It's simple. Obedience. I obey it. But how many know it takes faith to obey it? Right? Does it not take faith to obey the word of God? You better believe it takes faith to believe the word of God. You mean, you, mean, you, 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 mean, you, mean, you mean the Bible says, if I give this, then I'll be blessed? Uh-huh. But I can't afford to give that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the best answer is uh-huh. Yep. You, you, mean, you, you, you mean I should forgive? Uh-huh. But I don't want to forgive? Uh-huh. You, you mean I, I should forgive that person who hurt me? Uh-huh. Yeah, but, but, but I don't feel like it. They hurt me. Uh-huh. Come on, everybody give me a big uh-huh. Yeah. Next time you start operating by your feelings, you just do this. Uh-huh. But, 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 but I have a right. Uh-huh. The reason you can't forgive is because you ain't got no grace. Forgiveness can only flow from grace. The only reason Jesus and God could forgive us is because he was full of grace and mercy. Forgiveness flows from grace. Some of you can't forgive because you have no grace. And when you get grace into your life, you'll be able to forgive that person. Come on, Troy. Everybody say, yeah. I was just kidding. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, let me talk to you. I'm about done. We stand firm because the devil bows to the word of God. Church. There's a, there's a weapon. There's a weapon. It's called the Word. It's called the sword of the Spirit. But here's the cool thing about it. Again, remember this. You're never swinging the sword independently of the Spirit of God. You are swinging it with the Spirit of God. And He is the one who is helping you swing it. You're not assisting Him. He's assisting you. I, I, I can't dance a little bit. It's not that funny. But I know that when you dance with somebody, you're supposed to, when somebody leads and somebody follows. Want to dance, Troy? 
And when you're dancing with somebody, how many of you both can't lead? If you both lead, try to lead, how many know you're, you're kind of like going to be a stumbling mess? Right? But when you allow the one who's to lead to lead, those who know how to dance create this beautiful, incredibly beautiful, poetic, fluid demonstration of what it is for two people to walk in unison, to dance in unison. And now I got, I got the Spirit of God living in me, which the sword of the Spirit's in me, and the Word of God's in me. And now I, I swing this and I stand with it. Because see, I'm walking and dancing with Him in unison with Him. That He's leading. And I'm saying, come on, I'm with you. Come on, I'm with you. The moment I want to leave, tension comes into that. But the moment I begin to bow and dance with Him, allow him to lead that attack of the enemy he begins to bow he bows and today I say to you today is the day to allow the spirit to lead to allow the spirit to lead dance with him as he wields his sword the beautiful thing about his sword is that in our lives it is the toll That brings life. It is a toll that brings beauty. It is a toll that while painful for a moment, brings healing. But when it's also a toll that brings a death blow to the enemy. It's a toll that is a assault weapon against the forces of darkness. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit lives in you. The Word lives in you. And if you will yield it to it, you will be able to wield it. And so, Father, this morning we come and we say to you, Lord, we want to bow to your Word. We want to bow to what your Word says. We want to bow to the Spirit of God who lives in us who first operates in our life with precision of a skilled surgeon who trims here and trims there and cuts here and cuts there, who, who divides flesh from spirit so that I can live by and through the spirit realm, not the soulish realm, not the fleshly realm. And this day, we, may we say, I commit myself to the surgery of the Holy Spirit. And this day I yield to His Word on a daily basis that I will not be governed by my feelings. I will not be governed by my emotions. I will not be governed by my own thinking. I will not be governed by the thinking of this world. But rather, I will be governed by the Word of God. And that we will walk and dance in unison as he swings the sword, as I join him in what he's doing. Allow it to be a weapon of defense, allow it to be a, a weapon of offense in our lives by which we can pierce the darkness. So this day, may we all be able to say, I stand firm. I stand firm in the word of God. I stand firm in the word. 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, stand up with me for a moment. Let me, let me give you a good report. How would you like to have a good report? Well, the best report of the day was people got saved today. There ain't nothing. That, 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 there, there, there is nothing I'm going to say next that's any better than that. Nothing. Amen? But our offering so far, and I say so far because I have some people who said, Pastor, we're, we're not there. We're going to give later. But right now, it's almost $44,000. Give God praise. Amen? So, so I just, I just want to I want to say thank you for being the people that you are. Thank you for giving. Thank you for your blessing. Uh, may God bless you, bless your gifts, and, and uh, I'll just again say thank you. Man, have a have a great day. Have a great week. Troy, close us in a song.